Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join me in a capital on lockdown. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by David Matham, Managing Director at TT Education, a company focused on improving primary school education. David, hello. Hello, Matthew. Hi, thank you very much for inviting me onto the podcast. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, before we get into our, our conversation on leadership, I'd first, first like to address the COVID-19 situation. How has it affected your business? Uh, it's had a pretty significant impact um, on the business already, to be honest. Um, obviously, our main market is schools, um, and schools are pretty much closed uh, to everyone except for key workers. Um, having said that, um, we've always tried to be pretty innovative. We have a, a digital division as part of TT Education, um, and we've been able to respond really quickly with some, some great online training offers. Did you have a uh, procedure in place for shutting down the office, or is this something that you had to come up with on the fly? Uh, we did have a sort of disaster recovery plan, and we did have certain procedures, but no, we, it took us by surprise, and we certainly did have to come up with quite a lot of uh, uh, quite a lot of procedures to to make sure we could we could move quickly. We we were lucky. Uh, we used VoIP phones, uh, so internet ready phones, so we were able to have uh, trainers logging in and consultants and staff from home. Um, mm. But yeah, systems and processes were put in pretty quickly. Do you think the market will recover quickly after this is over? Or do you think we're in this uh, blip for the long haul? Um, I I'd like to think it will recover quickly, but I actually think this. This seems like it could be going on for, for a very long time. I think the news seems to suggest that a vaccine sort of 18 months away. Um, so although obviously, you know, business needs to, to get back open, um, I think society might look slightly different and it's going to present some really unique challenges for, for business. Well, challenges are there to be met and they're be- met by leaders. So let's get on to leadership. Um, yes. I always like to start the conversation on leadership by asking a very particular question. What does the word leader mean to you? Uh, leadership means to me, uh, to me, it means to inspire people, um, almost breathe life into them, uh, to give, uh, so others can be as good as they can be. Um, and I think, um, leaders need to be inspiring. Um, they need to, um, get a team to, um, work for them um, and they need to, to communicate a vision clearly. And I think leadership is about enabling others. How do you enable your staff? Um, oh, in a variety of ways. I sort of live by a mantra that I think, you know, I like to treat people as I'd like to uh, be treated myself. So I try and put myself in their shoes when I make decisions. Obviously, sometimes, you know, I have to make decisions that they might not like and, and, and demonstrate some resilience. But broadly speaking, I try to, to remain fair. Um, I try to be motivational. I try to make sure that the, the vision of where we're going is achieved and that people buy into it. Um, and that communication is really, really clear um, and hopefully get people to work for me and therefore go the extra mile um, rather than against me. So you like to establish a real collaborative working uh, environment? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think collaboration's um, really, really important. Um, and also, you know, recognizing people's strengths and weaknesses um, and getting to know them. And, and I suppose developing trust as well is, a, is another key key mm-hmm. dynamic. I think often in a, a work environment, you've got, 
you know, a variety of, um, you know, people, you're, you're very busy, there's lots going on. Mm. And how often do we, we take the time to actually listen and understand what's going on in, in people's lives? And actually, and if you know what their strengths and weaknesses and, and what's going on, you can often, you know, really utilize that and, and, and move things forward. Now, what um, weaknesses uh, do uh, job seekers have these days? Um, well, I mean, it varies. I suppose it depends on the, the, the job they're going for. Um, I think, um, I'm trying to think of, of some examples, we're quite lucky we recruit um, consultants who, you know, I suppose, you know, go out into schools. They've often got quite a lot of life experience. They've been head teachers, for example. And we also recruit people who, who work in office-based jobs and, and come from a variety of backgrounds and experiences. But I suppose, um, you know, uh, thinking about different staff we've employed over the years, um, sometimes it's that that little bit of uh, life experience that's perhaps missing. Um, but again, it depends on on the type of person. Let's go back to the beginning of your career when you first started out your working life. Did you have any particular influences that shaped you as you are today? Um, Starting my working life, yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I really did. To be honest, not any, anyone um, in particular. I mean, I. Um, originally, you know, was from a, a family that hadn't had anyone go to university. I decided um, to go, but I suppose at the time of going to university, um, I was I was probably going more for the sport and the social side rather than having a, mm. a sort of direct. You know, I wanted. I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, but I went through university, found absolutely loved it, did a degree in history and sociology, and then went into teaching. And I suppose. Um, going into teaching, I was inspired, going back to your original question, by, by teachers who taught me in the past and thinking actually doing this is something I could do, I could give back and, and, and sort of, um, you know, learn from, from, from them. Now, do you provide any sort of mentorship opportunities for those within your organization? Yeah, absolutely. We're based at the University of Essex on their Knowledge Gateway. Um, so we have a great relationship with them. They have um, a series of sort of um, internship programs um, and so on. And we, we've taken five, six, seven interns from the university over the last sort of five years um, and mentored them um, and to give them sort of job and life um, life experience. And some of them have gone on to then work for us and some have gone off and worked with, with other people and, and so on. Um, we look to, to mentor and train our staff. Uh, we also um, obviously do a lot of work supporting, mentoring, coaching and developing teachers. What's your advice uh, to young people just entering the job market today? Um, I think you need to um, be confident um, in your own ability and believe in yourself um, and believe in um, what you're doing and what you're about and stay, stay true and, and, and to your sort of integrity. Um, I think um, put yourself out there and, and seize opportunities. It's certainly something I did um, right from the start of my career. I, I wanted to you know, um, progress. And then when I saw an opportunity, I, I really went for it. And I think, um, you know, uh, look around you and try and try and do something you enjoy, something you're interested in, something you're passionate about. Because if you have a passion for something, it will make that the work in life um, much more enjoyable. Now, unfortunately, our time together is drawing to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for TT Education? Uh, yeah, for the next 12 months should be um, incredibly exciting for us. So we're, um, to say, our digital side is is growing rapidly. Um, we are uh, moving forward um, with a product called School CPD Tracker, which is the complete performance management appraisal system for staff. 
um, that's going to that's already um, in the UK and internationally, and we're, we're building machine learning, learning and artificial intelligence into it. We're also um, scaling up Zingit, which is a, a parental engagement portal and, and really popular at the moment with um, the, the coronavirus and obviously lots of parents um, at home with their children, um, unable to um, have the children in school. Um, and really look to, to continue to grow um, the number of schools we're working with, the number of teachers we're working with to provide, um, you know, really high quality training and support um, and make a massive difference to, to both the children and teachers. Well, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on the program. And I do hope that you come on to uh, the show again in uh, less turbulent times. David, thank you. Thank you. That was David Matham, Managing Director at TT Education. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with, he'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager obviously like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time 
when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably. Well, I was very fortunate to play with the talent of the players I did. Again, mm. again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the. Uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, w- would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looks upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, football team in any walk of life to be successful and it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well selling car warranties to car dealerships and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all and so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, or at West Ham, your uh, plane came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in your organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff and I think that's one thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learnt over a long period of time And is there do you think uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens but is there a specific moment if you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in 
Sir Alf, so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising they were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of a group. Um, so that that's, that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But uh, in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, in Denmark. Mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I like I was going to play, and didn't start because of just a lack of form I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position and somewhat fortuitously I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg and I think what you've said there uh, Jeff actually does sum that up really well and more than that whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, Not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there, and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's, I won't mention both 
there's a too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked: Did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that's uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions, and then all of a sudden, I had a somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to come up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then I again, found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh that If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see this happened when you must have realized that people teammates began looking at you for leadership um is that something that occurred to you or did you just realize that by by quick one way or the other people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration well possibly that's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now quite frankly that's a new a new question mm. does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. 
Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, the play, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone, how they, they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood. Yeah, the answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, good they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes I can elaborate as much as you want but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so but um, I'm conscious of the um, time um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that, so many, yeah, so many, and that's why we're successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me. The um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together, 
all those years later. It didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, the the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word, the, word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely, and I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes, you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, Jeff, uh, looking, if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't? go without in terms of leading a team no matter what that team is single minded single mindedness dedication dedication to the job um, thinking about that 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 role that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life but it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if it's these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm. I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements. And it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.